Welcome to Breakfast with Bob. My name is Bob Babbitt. We're brought to you by the PTO, the Pro Triathletes Organization, by Amp Human, by VeloFix, Normatech, Form Goggles, UCAN, and our Challenge Athletes Foundation. In March, we sent out 3,921 grants, totaling $5.9 million to keep challenged athletes in the game of life through sport. Again, my name is Bob Babbitt, and our next guest is the amazing Lucy Charles Barkley, who has finished second in Kona the last three years has won Ironman South Africa and South the African Championships two times and was gearing up for an amazing season this year in 2020. Lucy, how are you hanging in through all this craziness? Yeah, Bob, great to talk to you. I'm coming to you live from my pain cave. So um, we spent a lot of time here during our really strict lockdown. We actually lived in here for eight weeks. So um, we were sleeping in this boxing ring but we have since actually gone back to our little flat, um, which isn't too far from here, um, to do a lot of training. But yeah, it's actually nice to have that kind of place where we go to work now and then place where we're at home and we chill out because we were trying to do all of that in here when we were living in here. And, and what do you, you have a boxing ring. What else is in there? Yeah, so we have an endless pool here as well. So we've been able to keep on top of our swimming. We have our Wahoo bike set up. We have some treadmills. We have strength equipment. So um, we've, we've been pretty well set up. I think we have been lucky that over the years we've built up a very good little training environment for us to do all of our work indoors. And it definitely paid off during our lockdown. So this last year, uh, when you, the year before, you had gone to Challenge Roth and lost by, I think, like nine seconds or something, basically a sprint into that amazing stadium with thousands of people cheering on. How did that drive you towards coming back this year for that race? Yeah, so I kind of, anyone who knows me knows that I don't like coming second and I'm always, whenever I go to any race, I go in for the win and I really do try my best to be at the pointy end of races. So coming second and being so close to getting that win at such an iconic race just fueled me so much to go away and train hard for that year with the big focus of, of getting it right and, and going there and getting the win. So um, I was definitely had a lot of fire in my belly to go back and just put down that perfect race. And actually things still didn't go to plan, but I managed to get the win the year later. And I think it was sweeter than ever having come so close the year before. So when you, when you go to Kona for the first time as a pro in 17 and get second and then get second again in 18 and then get second again in 19, the first time, obviously, you're ecstatic. And the second time, I'm sure you're thinking, boy, I'd like to be on top of the podium. And then the third time, you actually had lost second for a bit and then <laughs> you know, dropped the third and then ran back. What would it mean to you to, to, to win that race, the Ironman World Champion? Yeah, I think obviously coming so close when you only need one more spot to get that win and doing that three times, I think it would just mean so much to get the win there. And it, obviously it's the biggest race in the circuit. It is the world championship race. And it's such a brutal, tough race that just to finish it is amazing. Anyone who's finished that race, it's just so tough. But to go there and get that win just means everything because a long course triathlete. So every bit of my body and ounce of my being wants to get the win there and 
that's what drives me every day to keep training is just to try and get that win and I guess if you kind of played back each year 2017 18 19 you'd see me finish and probably I was obviously happy but the amount that I was happy in 2017 each year it's probably got a little bit less because it's like oh still second um so yeah I think you would see another level on the 2017 ecstaticness if I could go and win that race when I look back at you trying to make the Olympic team in 2012 right? You're trying to make the either open water or in the pool. Uh, neither of them happened. But you're still right at the pinnacle of that particular sport. When you moved into triathlon, and I mean, now you've got, you know, Specialized and Red Bull and so many great sponsors. The difference between being an Olympic caliber athlete and an Ironman athlete, did you have any idea that there would be such a, a gap between what was happening as a uh, potentially Olympic athlete and then you move into this other sport which you didn't know a heck of a lot about and it's it's a, maybe a lot bigger than you thought it was? Yeah definitely I think even as a swimmer we had a couple of athletes in our swim squad that had gone and done a bit of triathlon and we were like oh that's like a pretty cool sport but it's not really well known and there's not many people doing it so fair play but we're, we're doing swimming and that's a real sport and then actually when I came into triathlon it was just huge like I guess it was completely booming at the time that I came in but I was like wow this is a whole new world that I just didn't realize how much was going on how competitive it was um, and all these races that exist all around the world and I didn't know that there was this Ironman World Championships in Hawaii I'd heard of Ironman but I didn't realize that you get to go to Hawaii to do the world champs so it kind of just all these amazing things I kept just finding out about and the history of the sport and the amazing athletes that have been just setting this whole new standard in long distance racing. It was just a complete new world that I had nothing, I didn't know anything about. So when you and Reese are coming into this, you're your husband Reese, and both of you are coming from that swimming background, you have to learn really cycling and running. You need two out of the three. And Reese was coming in really as a both of you, sort of a blank slate, trying to learn this new sport. Because a lot of times people come in from swimming and they've got this amazing fitness and they start running and they get injured a lot because they've got this engine that won't quit and somehow you know, their body can't handle it. They keep breaking down. How did you guys design a training program really for the long haul in mind so that you didn't do really well quickly and then burn out? Yeah, I think we, we had quite a steep learning curve in the beginning and we definitely went in with that swimmer mentality that more is better and yep. more mileage will mean that you're going to do better. And we soon learned that actually our bodies haven't done miles and miles of running and we haven't done hours on the bike. So we need to do a gradual progression. I think we were quite lucky as well, though, that as swimmers, we did actually do a lot of strength and conditioning to help complement our swimming. And um, so we always wanted to do that. And we figured actually that really used to help us swim. We can apply this to triathlon and it will one, make us stronger athletes, but also make us more robust and less likely to get injured. And I think that's played a big part in us staying pretty strong. I mean, no one's unbreakable and we definitely do have niggles from time to time, but we seem to be able to put training plans and rehab work in place. That means that we get rid of them pretty quickly and can get back to work and stay strong. So you guys are, are launching a race team, uh, Lucy Charles Barkley race team. And is, uh, it might have been today that you were launching this. 
Talk yeah, a little bit about that. Live. <laughs> All right. So 10 athletes, is that what you're looking for? Yeah. So we've put together a package where I'm going to work with 10 athletes leading into next year's challenge Roth, which I plan on racing. So it's pretty cool because I will get to coach the athletes. They'll get to train alongside me at times throughout the year and have me as their mentor for that race that I obviously know very well having come second and then come back and managed to get the win. Um, we've got some great partners on board with some of my amazing sponsors. We've got a training camp planned um, and loads of cool stuff. So weekly rides on Zwift. Um, yeah, it's going to be really, really exciting. And applications have gone live from today. So I'm going to have athletes applying to be on the team and then hopefully select 10 final athletes, which I'm sure is going to be a really difficult process to just whittle it down to 10. But um, yeah, it should be really exciting. We're all going to have a matching team kit from Endura. So I will be wearing the same kit as these athletes. We'll all look like a team in Roth. And yeah, it should be amazing. I'm going to take them on a recce ride in Roth and show them the bike course and all the cool places. Um, obviously, the finish line is going to be absolutely amazing. And I look forward to welcoming, welcoming all of those athletes across the line um, and being at that finish line party like last year, which, yeah, there's nothing like it on the circuit. So really, really excited about it. For, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Obviously, people know Ironman World Championship, but uh, less people know or are aware of Challenge Roth and how special that is. And it's funny because when you go to Roth for the first time, you're like, where are all the hotels at? And there's <laughs> everybody's homestay or they're camping or they're staying in Nuremberg. But there's what? There's 250,000 people on the course. When you climb up Solar Hill, uh, 50,000 people there cheering for you. A finish line five days before is an open grass lot that they build a stadium for. Talk a little bit about how special that event is. Yeah, I don't think there's any other race that I've been to where it feels like the whole community are behind the race and they absolutely love it. You go to races elsewhere where it's a huge race, but you don't get that real welcome vibe off of the spectators and the people whose home you're taking over. Whereas in Roth, they just get behind it. They look forward to it. They love it. They're so friendly. Um, yeah, it really has that family feel, um, which I really, that's what I love so much about it is you just feel so welcomed to go and do that race. And the finish line really is like nothing else I've ever done. It's a completely different, almost like a hexagon shape as you run into that finish. And the noise is just absolutely crazy. So um, if you haven't been, it's just one of those races that, obviously sells out so fast um, because it's just so unique, so iconic. And to get in it is like really, really hard. So um, that just tells you how amazing the race is. Okay, so I've got my personally autographed Red Bull right here, right? <laughs> when you, how many cans of did, did they do in the UK? So I believe they did six million cans, which was, there were six athletes that got to be on cans, so we had like a million each. Um, and I reckon that my friends would have bought most of them because they every time they saw one, they were like, oh my God, I've got to buy that. So between my family and friends, we probably have about half of those. <laughs> I mean, but seeing yourself on a, on a Red Bull can, I don't think that's happening if you're still in swimming. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think so. And the the fun times we had going into the local supermarket and kind of standing there buying it and 
they're like, what is she doing? It's like, that's me. <laughs> I'm, I'm a can. Yeah. <laughs> that is the so, cool. Yeah. What has been some of the coolest things? Because you, you, all of a sudden, you sort of came out of nowhere. When, it, when you think about triathlon, you're, you're leading the Ironman World Championship in 2017. And it's like, who is this young woman? Now, obviously, you've had a good year in 17, but people weren't expecting you to be you know, leading for as long as you led. When you look back at that, did that seem a little surreal to you? Yeah, I think, I mean, I just kind of, Coming into triathlon, it was always going to be, you know what, I need something new, I need a new challenge, I need something fun, because swimming had really lost that kind of fun appeal to me. Um, so I just wanted to come in, try something new, and actually just thought I was going to be rubbish at it. So I thought, actually, that'd be quite nice, because I'll just be rubbish and enjoy it, and there won't be any pressure. And then suddenly I thought, oh, actually, I think I could be quite good at this. And my competitive nature took over, and I was like, actually, I want to be winning races. And then eventually when I managed to get my pro license, I kind of thought, you know what, this is a big step up. I might just be maybe scraping top 10 at races and struggling to make podiums. And then it kind of, within a year, I was able to make podiums. And I was like, wow, I really didn't expect this. And then that 2017 year was really my breakthrough year where kind of everything just spiraled and ended up coming second at the world championships, which for me, I just, really didn't expect and this whole journey has been incredible when I kind of sit back and, and look at how far me and Reese as a team have come in it I just couldn't have predicted it and to have my face on a Red Bull can I would have been laughing when I was back when I was a swimmer and there's so many cool things we have in the pipeline with my amazing sponsors having mermaid socks that everyone goes crazy for and young girls battle braiding their hair because they want to be like me it's just I couldn't have expected any of this so um it's been amazing how hard was it for you to make that transition you you've been you'd been so much ingrained as a swimmer for so long and was it not making the team in 2012 where you just felt like okay I've given my life to this sport <laughs> and am I going to hang out for 2016 am I going to hang out because you really in the open water event was there one spot for your country, something like that. I mean, to, for people <laughs> to commit years and years when there's only one spot available, how long did it take you to recover from the disappointment and decide, okay, I've got, I'm not ready to move on to a real career as, in terms of a, a businesswoman, mm -hmm. but I still want to be an athlete, but I, I don't really know what to do. Yeah, so obviously the disappointment was at the, um, Kind of not getting picked for the open water and I had another sort of shot in the 800 freestyle in the pool but I only finished eighth in the Olympic trials so didn't make it in the pool either so I at first I was like you know what let's have a little break let's reset and let's just go all in for the next Olympics so 2013 I really did train super hard I joined a new club I was commuting quite a long way to be swimming at this top squad um and then I had one of my best ever performances at the British trials in the 1500 um, at the British championships and done a PB, never swam that quick. I think I finished fourth in Great Britain and that was one of my best performances, but I just didn't have that buzz at the end. And I was like, I know this isn't right. And I know that normally if I put in a big block of training and then got a great result, I'm normally buzzing. So I was like, yeah, this isn't going to work. There's no way I'm going to be able to do four years and carry on. So I pretty much quit sport altogether. And when I got a normal job, I worked at a zoo. 
doing their marketing for all of the animals at the zoo and it, it was a lovely job but it, it definitely wasn't what I wanted to be doing I miss sport so during that time um, that I was working there I was training to be a personal trainer and Reese and I were setting up our own business so that we could hopefully um, train for this Ironman that we'd signed up for whilst I'd been working at the zoo we, we needed a way of funding it and we both were passionate about sport and coaching people that we thought actually that's that's a pretty good way to go so when we was training for that first Ironman kind of looking back I don't know how we did it because we was up early swimming or PTing clients then trying to fit in another session in the day PTing until 10 o'clock at night and then trying to get up early again to train so we was just full on and leafleting through doors for hours out the day to get clients through the door and it really was just absolutely crazy trying to learn how to train for an Ironman, set up a business. Reese was finishing off his degree. It was just a really mad time. But I guess when you put all of that hard work in, eventually you're going to find some positive result from it. So because of your swimming background, if, if I was part of the UK Olympic program uh, for, for, for triathlon, I would have been like, wait a second. This amazing swimmer it wants to get in the triathlon. Uh, it's 2012. It's you know you've got four years to get ready for for uh, Rio as a Olympic distance triathlete. Did that ever enter your mind, or was it always Ironman? Yeah, it definitely entered my mind, and I kind of um, obviously knew I had my swim strength and yeah. my 5k time. We have Park Run in the UK, which is a free 5k every weekend, and every weekend I'd seen that time come down so I can't remember exactly what time I was down to when I reached out to British Triathlon basically to say what standard do I need to be at to be considered what what are your targets that you're setting for athletes the this is my current 1500 meter time this is my current 5k time I've obviously got an engine from swimming that I think I can put into the bike but um I sent that off and was pretty much shot down saying well your swim's pretty good enough uh, your run's way off and well we don't know about your bike so pretty much no you're, you're not going to be considered and we're not we're not going to help you so yeah that was pretty tough but I think it really did give me that fire to be like right well okay I'm going to go into long course and I'm going to prove that I am going to be good at this sport and I can be one of the best so that probably spurred me on a bit when I'd come into this sport thinking oh it'd be a bit of fun I was like actually I really want to prove a point now and, and prove that I can do this. You know, we've seen that a lot of times over the years. I remember Chris McCormick getting left off the 2000 Olympic team, and that, that lit a fire that lasted for the next decade, right? <laughs> so have you, once you started having success at the longer distance, did you ever hear from uh, the UK Olympic folks? Um, well, I had another problem because when I was, um, I'd won Kona as an age grouper, I'd won the yeah. 70.3 Worlds as an age grouper, I then wanted to get my pro license to race long course, um, which got rejected. And I actually have the email because you have to be within 8% of a pro winner to get your license in the UK. And my best results were at the world championship races where obviously the winner of the race was Daniela Reef that year. Um, and I wasn't within 8% of her times. Who is? Um, the second place person wasn't. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, th there's an email that actually says um, something along the lines of, well, you're never going to come close to Daniela Reef. So I was like, okay, th 
this is another point that I want to prove them wrong on. Um, so they let me eventually, um, they kind of gave me the license on a trial basis saying that really I should only be racing 70.3 because that's where I was a little bit closer. Um, but I actually went on to, I think I came third at Ironman Lanzarote and fourth at Ironman um, 70.3 Staffordshire. But unfortunately that first year as a pro in um, 2016, I actually had a stress fracture in my leg, but I was so driven to race and make sure that I could keep that license that I just kept racing. But unfortunately then that stress factor got so bad that when I went and eventually had the scan on it after the 70.3 in Staffordshire they said if I'd done one more race on it I probably would have just snapped my leg in the race um so that that taught me a big lesson that actually you must listen to your body and as much as you might want to prove people wrong you have to be patient too and do it the right way so that's definitely been my steepest learning curve back in um, 2016 and what, luckily we've never had an injury like that since what's what's fascinating is a lot of people uh who are very young um usually go through the olympic cycle right they go you like look at jan Frodeno didn't come over to long distance till he was in his mid-30s and same with alistair brownlee and javier gomez you're starting young which is a positive right at the same time avoiding a lot of long distance racing is is something you sort of have to do because you don't want to burn out is it, is it still fresh to you? Is it still something you love? Yeah, definitely. And I think I'm someone who loves to race a lot. And when I first came into yep. triathlon and I got that pro license and I'd stopped being a personal trainer, I kind of had no real choice but to race a lot because I needed to make an income. Um, now I have that luxury of actually I've, I've raced at a high level and you, you earn all right as a triathlete in those races if you're coming at the pointy end. So um, as much as I would definitely love to race every single weekend and obviously given what's going on now I'm itching to race more than ever but I've definitely become smarter in that actually I should race less and when I do race race at that kind of top level look after my body a bit more and don't put it through too many long distance races in one year um, and hopefully that'll mean that I can have a long career doing what I love doing. When you surprised the world in 2017 and went off the front in Kona and led for so long, how did that change your life in terms of the notoriety? And did you get more sponsors when you came back from that? Um, it was definitely a slower kind of process than maybe some would expect after coming second at a world champs. And I think maybe a lot of people thought it may have just been a fluke that I'd, I'd managed mm. to pull that off and still not many people knew who I was. So it was still quite a slow process to try and get sponsors. It was more us contacting them than the other way around. Um, but kind of after the next year, I guess that's when there was the biggest <laughs> difference because it was like, okay, this, yeah. this is who she is. This is where she is. And this is how she's racing. So um, obviously I had some sponsors that picked me up a lot earlier. And obviously I'm so thankful to them that they kind of had that belief in me quite early on. But um yeah, it's again, as I said, kind of three, four years on as a pro, it's been an amazing journey that I couldn't have predicted in the beginning. When you look at, when I look at uh, your 836.24 in 2018, that's still the second fastest Ironman World Championship in history, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> For somebody in their second time at the race, that's pretty darn amazing. Do you look at... Sometimes you and Reese sort of look at each other and go, I, I can't believe from 2012 when we were trying to, we were going to go do this event 
this Ironman event sort of for fun and just move on with our lives after that. And look where we're at now. Yeah, I think probably on that, the more craziest thing ever is that I could do the second fastest time in the history of the race and still not win it. <laughs> Let's see, <more> crazy, <laughs> exactly. <so>. Exactly. <laughs> I know. But that's what happens over there. We had, uh, well, actually, got a little 1989. Dave Scott went 18 <laughs> minutes faster than his own car's record and lost. <laughs> <laughs> crazy you things never happen, know. The conditions, the conditions make a big difference out there. So with the, everybody's doing virtual racing, have you been enjoying that? You just won a Super League event. <laughs> yeah, it's been really cool, actually. I mean, anyone who knows, I do a lot of my training on Zwift and indoors, but I'd never really done a massive amount of Zwift racing. I'd done the national champs a couple of times and done pretty well. But um, yeah, it's opened up a whole new world, actually, of how much you can get from yourself in a Zwift race, how hard you work. So it's an amazing training session for like an hour of just smashing yourself. But it's so tactical as well. So it makes it almost have that gaming element where there's things like power-ups you can use and where you need to tactically sit in the pack or lay down the power. It's been really, really fun to learn how it works. Um, and actually, Reese was way better at it than I was to begin with. And I was just watching him going, well, how come you're easing back and you're still riding with them? And he's like, yeah, well, you've got to play it tactically. So I've learned a lot from him on how to do it. But um, we're both having a lot of success in the um, Z Pro series that's on at the moment. And last week I raced in the Super League series, which I had a great race in. Um, I'm going to be doing that again tomorrow. And then we have the Z Pro races on Wednesday. So we've been keeping busy during this time. Um, and it's been nice to have some kind of racing because we both do love to race so that's definitely kept us going do you see yourself doing some of the uh real super league races if this uh, uh it, when this this because uh, the reality is there's big gaps between races for you right you're doing 70.3s and you're doing full ironmans but there's nothing better than those short distance races to really <laughs> refine your speed yeah i mean i actually had an interview with maca this morning and um it was for the super league and i said well Maybe I will come and race because at the moment you could give me any race, whether it was a track race or a bike race, I would do anything at the moment just to get some racing in. So um, yeah, I definitely think I would give it a go. It would put me in out of my comfort zone for sure to do that top end speed. But I guess given my background was obviously the 10K in the open water, but my best pool event was a 1500 meter, which is a, a 20 minute race, if that. So right. I definitely can find that top end speed, which I've found when we've been doing the Zwift racing. So yeah, who knows? I think at the moment I would, I would do any race that you give me. So um, yeah, who knows? Very cool. Okay, I'm gonna toss you some the rapid fire, some sort of short question answer. <laughs> Amazing. Toughest moment for you in your career? Oh, I think coming second at Roth, that's so close. Because you're coming into the stadium, and now were you guys <laughs> together coming into the stadium? Yeah, so I saw um, Daniela Blamel get that win. So it was just like, oh, so close, like it's gone. And then I, we were both like on the rivet, and there's an amazing photo of us just laying down on the finish line knowing that we had emptied the tank. But to be that close to winning that iconic race was so tough. I love that. Uh, happiest memory? Oh, I think um, winning the Challenge Championship the first time because 
um, I was actually sick in the morning and I'd called up my mum and I was like, mum, I'm not well. If I pull out, don't panic. I'm, I'm not, nothing's wrong with me. I'm just not well. Um, and then I went on to win it. And that was definitely what kind of just one race after another led to great stuff in 2017. And, and that, that challenge championship, because it's a 20 meter draft rule, which I'm guessing you love, right? <laughs> They come out of the water and you know if somebody's going to catch you on the bike that they had to work hard to do it. Uh, is, is that one of your favorite races? That is probably my favorite race and I've definitely kind of put my stamp on it, winning it three times in a row. But I love that 20 meter draft rule, like you said, because I know if anyone has managed to catch me up on the bike, they've had to do it all themselves and they've had to work seriously hard to do it. So it just makes it such a fair race, but obviously it works in my favor being the strong swimmer that I can just be out there, get away and know that the other girls aren't able to work together at all. Hardest, uh, hardest training session. <laughs> oh, it's gotta be um, some of the run sessions that I do leading into Kona are just absolutely brutal. I normally am running up to 36 kilometers on a treadmill. And that involves some intervals in it. And oh, it's just disgustingly hard. But I know that when I'm getting to that level where I can do those kind of workouts, I'm, I'm definitely getting near to Kona shape. Well, and also those type of workouts are probably what helped you go from when you got passed by Sarah Crowley and then you passed her back. Those are the type of things or that's, that's pure guts when it's a last mile <laughs> or two and you've got somebody right with you and you've got to, you know, you've got to pass them or they pass you and second place. You didn't want to give up second place. Yeah. I think definitely those kind of workouts are what you remember when you're suffering at the end of the race um, just to keep pushing and know that all of that hard work was worth it. And um, it's, it's so tough to do that. It also helps having um, puppy motivation as well from race to say that we could get a dog if I came second. So that helped a lot as well so uh, how's the puppy doing not a puppy anymore yeah. she's here i'm gonna show oh. you <laughs> <Lady. Hello>. uh. <laughs> <laughs> she was asleep so what's her Hello. name lola 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 getting Who some camera lola? time i like it <laughs> she's like falling asleep as a moldener i love I'm not it. interested <laughs> so who's she's fast like who's faster swimming now you or reese Oh, that's a good question because Reese has been doing a lot of swimming during lockdown and we went to the lake tonight and he wore his sleeveless wetsuit and I was definitely struggling to keep up. So um, yeah, watch out guys because he's been working on his swim and he's definitely keeping me on my toes in that water. But um, it's been so nice actually that the lakes are back open here in the UK so we can mix it up a bit and get some outdoor swimming in and our weather's been so nice here that that's definitely helping as well. And the plan is to do, if the world gets back on its axis, that you'll uh, do Challenge Daytona in December? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we both loved Daytona last year and it would be crazy to think that that might be our next race and it was actually our last race. So um, if you kind of said when we raced in Daytona in December that actually you're not gonna race again until you come back here, we would have been like, what, what's everyone talking about? So. Um, yeah, we definitely would love to be back there. And it was such a cool race, racing under the floodlights on, on the speedway. Yeah, really, really cool location. And if it's going to be one of the major races for us pros, I think hopefully if we can get there, then all of the top pros are going to want to be there racing.
if people want to become part of team uh, Lucy Charles Barkley, how do they do that? So we have just put a video on our YouTube channel that details everything. And then in the description of that video, you can head over to our website where it's got all the details and how to apply. Um, we're looking at hopefully having a short list of athletes that we contact and then we're going to get those athletes to send us a little video as to why we should pick them and then whittle it down to the final 10 who I'm going to hope to start coaching on the 3rd of August. So we pretty much have 11 months working together, leading into having an amazing race in Roth next year. So have you had contact with the Charles Barkley, the basketball player here in the U.S.? I would love to you know what we've been watching the Michael Jordan uh, ah. documentary on Netflix and learning about all these amazing basketball players and obviously Charles Barkley was on there and like before anyone had ever mentioned it I didn't realize that there was a basketball player called Charles Barkley and I'd kind of seen people joke about it before and I think maybe it may have been in South Africa when I was running I managed to throw some rubbish in the bin and people were like, oh, that's a Charles Barkley um, jump shot or something. Um, so, yeah, I would love to meet him. <laughs> we, have, we, may, we may have to reach out through some contacts and make that happen when you're in the States in December. That would be pretty fun. So, so, Lucy, what do you think has helped make you a champion? Um, I mean, from being the nine-year-old in the pool that wanted to do the toughest event, which I, at the time, thought was the 200 fly to working harder than anyone I knew as a kid because I wanted to be in the Olympics and loving that pain of working hard and just I think it the biggest thing now is that me and Risa are an amazing team and even though we work super hard we always find some way of making training fun and that's what's given us a lot of success is just loving what we do keeping it fun and, and not taking ourselves too seriously I think that's all you need to do to have a successful career. Well, best of luck with your team. Here, a toast to your to team Lucy Charles Barkley. Where are you? There we <laughs> <Cheers> go. <laughs> Lucy, thanks for taking so much time. It's always so much fun to catch up with you. Give my best to Reese again. We are brought to you by the PTO Amp Human Velofix Norma Tech Form Goggles. You can our Challenged Athletes Foundation. Lucy, as always, you are the best. Thanks for taking so much time. Thanks, Bob. Lovely to talk to you. A pleasure. Lucy Charles has been our guest, everybody.